Welcome to another episode of Propcast, a property podcast that aims to educate, inspire, and engage property investors. We are your hosts, Dami Shiambala and Bimbala Osaige. Hey, Bimbala. Hey, how are you? I am well, thank you. We are on fire. Are we? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize we were. Why are we on fire again? Recording podcasts after, po- we're recording episodes after episodes, you know? Right, 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 right. But I suppose for the listeners, you guys get to hear this every two weeks. That's we true. are recording every day, <laughs> every other day. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a whole batch for you guys. Stay tuned exactly. and stay glued to exactly. the podcast. So what are we talking about today? Well, the last time we... We our last episode we were talking about finding the property and the property finds the deal, uh, right. which I swear by. So now that I've got the property, how am I going to fund this property? So today we are looking at creative ways to raise money for your property deal. So today's episode is called Creative Finance. Exactly, because we don't want people coming to you, Bimbala, and saying, Bim- "Bimbala, you told me to find a deal now." <laughs> Where's the money? <laughs> the money? Well, here's the money. Here's the money. Stay, listen, get your pens and your paper. And we are ready to go through some of, by the way, this is not all, this is not an exhaustive list, but we are going to pick out 10 ways to raise money for your property deals. So let's go, Dami, you go first. Oh, so number one. Number one. Is bank of mum and dad friends and family yeah I love that. <laughs> what does this mean uh this means that you you go around soliciting um for funds from the ones who are closest to you mm. uh, so naturally that can be your parents that can be your siblings um that can be your friends family members and um but you know uh, i guess the thing with any of these uh, creative strategies is that you need to come with a solid proposal. Yeah. Um, it's not a case of just uh, being wishy-washy and and not knowing, you know, your numbers and things like that. You've got to have a solid deal on deck and you need to, you know, to make sure that you can present it. Think about if you're going to a bank and you're going to a bank to ask for uh, a, a loan, for example, for, for a business. Yeah, you don't just go to the bank and say, I want, you know, £50,000 and they give it to you. You put together a proposal and the bank reviews it and then they decide whether or not they are interested. So it's the same way if you go to, you know, our first our first way is bank of mum and dad, friends, family. Um, you go ahead with a proposal, show them uh, what you think, you know, um, show them... Uh, the things that, uh, you know, are involved in the deal, the numbers, mm-hmm. show them the profit you think you're going to make, show them the team that you're, um, you know, you're taking along with you to complete, complete this, uh, this, this deal. And, um, you know, you should then be able to attract, um, you know, interest from one of those parties who will then happy, who will be happy to, to give you, uh, some funds. If the, the, I guess the most challenging thing as well is if it's your first one, um, there's also that credibility um, uh, issue, and that's where making sure you have a solid proposal, you 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 know, you make sure it's as professional as possible. So even though it's your first time, 
you know, you've done some, uh, you've got your education, you've got your, you've got your knowledge, you've got all of those things behind you. It's now just time for executing. And um, this is a part of the execution. So um, bank of mum, dad, friends, family, um, but take it seriously. Don't just because they're family members think, you know, I can just go and ask and be serious about a proposal um, present it as you would if you were going to a professional in institution and um, cover all bases. And uh, yeah, that's the first way. I don't know if you've got anything to add to that. I do. I always do, actually. <laughs> well, this is where your network is your net worth. This is the bit right here where, I mean, I suppose everything, every form of creative finance is kind of linked into your network. Um, however, with this one, especially when we're talking about friends and family, co colleagues at work and so on and so forth, people do have money. A lot of people that you don't think have money actually have money. They just want a viable way of making sure they get return on their money. So definitely, like Stami said, don't take it, don't be so flippant about it. Um, be as, as serious as if you, if you were going to a bank um, and you'll be surprised how many people within your network will be willing to to show you well you know to show you the money um and i think the other thing to bear in mind is especially when we're talking about the closer people to like our, our parents our friends you must look to get to you you should always look to have a loan agreement in place just because they're your parents just because they're your best friends does not negate the fact that this is now a commercial transaction and you have to treat it as well, um, treat it as such. So have a loan agreement in place. Um, it shows that you are serious about it and it shows you and it, it gives a bit more confidence in them when they're looking at your proposal. Uh, and, and, and if you don't, if you've never, if you don't think it's relevant and someone says where is the agreement or can we put it in writing do not get upset because that's actually the right way of doing it and the last thing that i want to say with regards to this particular one is that um now that you've started your journey your property investment journey talk about what you do to people let people know a lot of i think sometimes people tend to keep certain things to themselves now if you are somebody that's interested in property you've probably started you've been you've gotten some training you've dabbled into a couple of investments and so on and so forth and nobody knows about it it's going to be a little bit difficult coming to them to tell them oh you actually know what you're doing and you want them to give you money but if people know that you're already doing this it already builds that credibility even before you get to the point of asking for for a loan. So it's important that you do talk about what you do, but be transparent and it would help you um, on the longer run. Okay, so the second one is 0% um, credit card money transfer. Now, we live in a society where credit is king. We are always and constantly bombarded by credit card companies, you know, throwing credit card at us. Maybe not so much now, but definitely, you know, um, I suppose it depends on how good your credit is and it depends on what stage you are in in your life. But at some point you will get credit cards um, companies sending you cards, giving you opportunities. And when they do that, to lure you in, they typically would offer you a 0% interest on the card. And for some of these cards, you also can actually get a 0% money transfer. I think MBNA, the MBNA family are so good at this. Um, MBNA 
um, Virgin, Virgin Money, Virgin Atlantic, and so on and so forth. Um, so if you do get one of those in the post, or if you do have an existing credit card, actually, that you, you don't use, you can actually call up your bank and say to them, can I get a 0% um, interest for a period of time? So typically what they would do is they would offer you a 0% for like 12 months or 18 months. There's a fee though to pay to get this um to be able to execute this promotion so you might they might say is a three percent fee to pay but then the actual transaction is zero percent for let's say 12 to 18 months now the advantage of doing this is when you compare this to your loans from the bank or even a loan from mom and bank of mom and dad you might find that the credit card fees are much cheaper um, on the longer term in the 12 month that you have it um, than a loan so that's another way um, the risk to this though is if you're going to use your credit card to do a money transfer for like a 12 months period or 18 months period you need to well number one you're going to have to pay something every month and you have to keep up with that payment in order not to lose that zero percent promotion deal and secondly typically they want you to they ask you to pay a minimum every month at the end of the 12 months you would have to clear the whole balance otherwise you would start to pay interest and this interest are not cheap um, you know, so I am someone that I've, I've benefited so much from my credit cards <clears throat> and I've also paid interest <laughs> on my credit card where I haven't been able to clear it at the end of the period. So, um, you have to be, you have to be cautious of the fact that at some point you're going to have to pay this money back in full, um, unless you paid it back over the 12 month period, which I think is an advisable thing to do. So if you're taking 10,000 pounds from your credit card for 12 months, at 0%, if you can't afford to pay that off within the 12-month period, then you're better off doing that so that at the end of the 12 months, you would have cleared it and paid 0% interest. But yeah, it's it's a creative way of raising funds. You know, you may look at this and think, well, I don't have good credit. The truth of the matter is, if you don't have good credit today, you can work towards repairing your credit score and bringing it back up to a level where get uh your your credit score will increase mm -hmm. so even if today your credit score is not great um look you know get your get your credit report see what's on there see what's causing your credit score to be not so good and then work on and work on building it up and that's all it is you know it doesn't matter how bad the score is okay it might take a bit longer but in in the long run once you've got it to where you need it to be and I think the longest, you know, in terms of uh, repairing your report, it, even if you've got like a CCJ or something, is five years. I think a CCJ stays on your record for five years. Um, so it, if that's the worst it is, five years, you can put together a plan in place mm -hmm. where, you know, over the next five years, you you work on repairing your report and then you, you move from there. So, mm. um yeah, that's all I will add to that. So then that brings us on to the next, that brings us on to the next uh, number three, uh, which is lease options. Now, with any of these things, we do advocate that please make sure you do get um, the proper education. We're just giving you high level points. Um, and, you know, by no means is this everything to do with this particular 
creative way. So do make sure you get um, the right education. And of course, you can contact us if you want further information. Um, so lease options. Uh, lease options are where you agree with the seller of a property um, to take an option on buying that property. And what that means is you agree. So let's say um, an, an, an individual is selling their property today for £250,000 and um, you agree with that seller that you will buy the property for £250,000 but you will pay for that property in five years' time. So you get an option to buy on the property. With this option to buy, you take over the mortgage payments of, you know, of, of that set of that property. And once you take over the mortgage payments, you've got a few options. You can then live in that house yourself or you can put a tenant in there and, um, you know, you get the tenant to buy the property at a later date or you buy the property at a later date. So an option is just a flexible way for you to acquire property without having to pay the, you know, the 25, the 10, the 15% deposit that you ordinarily pay. Now, you may ask, oh, well, what's in it for, you know, the, the person selling the property? Won't they want their money? Um, well, this is where you need to understand the position of the seller. Yeah. Or if the seller is um, uh, is running behind on mortgage payments and they're one month away from losing their property, an option, a lease option, may be suitable, a suitable solution for them because, you know, you save that seller from having their credit ruined for a very long time. Mm. You save them from the shame of losing their property. You, sh you save them from the anguish of having to rebuild and having nowhere to go, you know? So it just completely depends on the situation of the seller. It's not for everybody. It's not a silver bullet that you can just wave and, and you know, you go to every single ha um, uh, house for sale and say, would you like an option? It completely depends on the situation of the seller. Mm. But it's, uh, it's, a, it's a definitely uh, um, uh, a, a creative way of purchasing property without or, um, you know, controlling property without actually having to have a massive outlay. So, um, Bimbala, I don't know if you have anything to add. Yeah, you with the lease option, you have the first right to buy the property, but you're not obligated to buy. So if you do change your mind later on or the circumstances doesn't permit you to buy this property, you are not legally obligated to buy in it. So I just wanted to add, even though... Yeah, um, you're not legally compelled to buy it, but let's all let's let's act with ethics. If we commit to something, we should be able to make good on our word. Because you know, let's say in uh, you've got, you've committed and you've told you you know you've agreed with this seller that you're going to buy this property, and then in five years' time you turn around and you you change your mind. You know, you've now created an issue for that seller again. Yeah. Um, it's not really an issue though. It's not an issue because 
No, I have to disagree. We're going to disagree on the podcast today. So it's not an issue for the seller if you don't buy because at the time that you made this agreement to purchase this property, you had agreed a price then. So let's say today we go into a lease option agreement together. I have said I'm going to pay for this property, pay this much for this property, which is typically either the market value now or slightly above the market value now. In five years' time, if I don't, if I decide that I don't want to buy this property anymore, the landlord hasn't actually suffered any loss because now they actually can sell this at the current value. Uh, also, in the time of the lease option agreement, they haven't suffered either because they've continued to either get their mortgage paid and sometimes, depending on the agreement that you've signed, might even mean they get a little bit more. So I think that the, the, the legal obligation not to buy isn't not isn't so much because you change your mind and now you don't want it anymore. It means you can I think it's what gives you the right to sell it on to somebody else. So the property still can be sold by somebody it's, that you've brought into the deal, but it doesn't have, you don't have to be the legal own um the seller. You can I can I can rent it out to a tenant and then the tenant pays for it. Um, yes, correct. In, in, in the future. But yeah, I don't think that there's um it's of uh detriment to the seller. I think in fact I think they gain as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I get what you mean about obviously we you've got to keep to your word and you've got to do things with intention. Your yeah. motive, the motive is very important. Our intentions are important, so we need to keep be ethical when it when it comes to that. Yeah, no, I just didn't want to give the impression that just because you don't have the legal um obligation to buy it then you can just go around and uh you know let's pick up options here and then and then, you know <laughs> in a couple of years that we'll just give it back mm-hmm. but yeah I, whichever way whichever whatever it is you intend to do whether that's to sell it on or to buy it yourself mm. uh you know in as much as you can and um, because obviously circumstances change things change but in as much as you can um, just commit to what it is that uh, you, you, you've um, said you're going to do. Cool. So those are that's lease options. And as we said, if you want to know more, how to execute it, what's involved, then um, do get the right education. <clears throat> mm, excellent. Well, that takes us to the next one. Number four. Number four, we are talking... On the writing, I love this one. So this is something that you do at auction. This is specifically to auction properties. It's called. It's a term called underwriting. Now, what is underwriting? So underwriting is literally you find a property that you are looking and interested in buying, um, and then you let's say for example, I'm going to give you a scenario just to kind of seal my to seal to to explain it for you. So I, there's a property in the in auction. It's guide guide price of 80k um i see this property i'm interested in buying it i'm i probably want to go as much as say uh 100k um i could go as much as 100k the seller's reserve is probably like 90 now i speak to the seller and say look i'm really interested in this property i'm happy to buy it at 100 i would underwrite this property at 100k the seller is happy to sell it to me at 100k but then i want to creatively make find a way to make extra money so i say to the seller okay cool we will we, we'll, we'll handshake at 100 however as the since this property is going in auction let us 
leave it there now if we get a bid if the seller gets a bid that is above 100k whatever that excess is we share it 50 50 so property goes into auction everyone's bidding the bidding stops at 110,000 i have already underwritten this at 100k meaning the additional 10k the seller and I can split it. I don't have to buy that property. We'll leave it to the highest bidder. But the I get 5K, seller gets 105K. Scenario two, the bidding doesn't get up to 90 to 100. So the bidding stops at 95,000, which is less than what I have underwritten it for. I am legally bound to buying that property at 100K. So irrespective of the fact that the bidding stopped at 95 because i have underwritten this at 100k i have to buy it at 100k so this strategy or this creative way of buying only works um, if you are definitely going to buy this property because whatever happens you are buying this property if it goes higher than your underwritten value you make money and then you don't have to buy it if it's less than your underwritten value it doesn't matter how less you are still obligated to buy it at a hundred so that's what underwriting at auction is i think it's amazing obviously it's not going to be as common <laughs> as your everyday type of creative way but it's definitely a creative way of making money and, and there are lots of people that do this at auctions and that's all they do like they don't even buy anything they just make that extra money for every property but it has to be a property that they are going to buy in the first place so um number five bridging so bridging is where um you take a loan from a a, a, a commercial institution so it's different from going to a bank for a mortgage or it's similar to going to a bank for a mortgage only that you're dealing with commercial institutions um bridging tends to be typically faster than um, going for a mortgage. Um, and usually you can get um, bridge loans, typically up to 75% of the purchase price. Um, what some bridge lenders will do as well is they will pay for the development, but then they usually roll that up. So that becomes part of the 75%. Um, but some will give you 75% and will give you development uh, the development uh, funds as well. Mm. So you can actually, you know, get the 75%, get the money to do up the property, and then, you know, you can complete on it. Um, the advantages of bridging is that you can, it, it's typically much faster than going for a mortgage. Um, you can complete, so it means you, you're able to complete with speed. And as we know in, in, prop, in property land, that speed is paramount. Um, so, you, for example, you can go to an auction, you can um, bid on a property, and uh, what's the what's the time that you have to complete an auction purchase in Bimbala? Typical, typically, it's twenty eight days. So twenty eight days. Some vendors might go up to six weeks. Okay, so um, you know, trying to get a mortgage sorted out in twenty eight days is. It's not impossible, but probably nigh on impossible. <laughs> if I haven't in, got, in this if, in this season, it's definitely impossible. <laughs> so, uh, a bridge is 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 a very viable option because of the speed. Um, the the I guess the only other thing to mention about a bridge is that it is slightly more expensive um, than getting a traditional mortgage. So, on a traditional mortgage, you may 
you know, you'd be looking at uh, maybe three, four, five percent interest um, payments on a monthly basis. A bridge, you'll have, um, you need to pay your um, broker. Um, you need to pay them the fee for arranging, you know, for arranging the bridge. Um, you need to pay an entry fee uh, on the bridge. You need to pay uh, an, uh, your monthly interest, which is usually say naught point uh, on a good on a good one, maybe naught point eight percent or so. Um, and then some of them will also have exit fees, meaning that at the end of it, you'll pay to finalize. Uh, you know, you you have an exit fee that you have to pay. So when you roll all of this up it can become a little bit expensive. So you need to make sure that your numbers work. Because the other thing as well with a bridge uh, or bridge and loan is that if you when you, if you, you have to specify how long you want that loan for. So let's say you know your project is going to take six months, okay, um, and you, you ask for that bridge loan for six months. If it goes one day over the six months, you are going to be hit with severe penalties, mm -hmm. uh, severe interest. So like, you know, when Bimbala was talking about the credit card, you know, after the 12 months, if you don't pay everything off, you'll have, you know, um, massive interest yeah. to pay on the, on the loan. It's the same as bridging. If you don't, if you don't complete and, you know, get everything done in the six months, um, the longer you hold it for, the more expensive it gets. So um, that those are some of the things that, again, you have to um, watch out for. But um, bridging is a fantastic way for, um, for completing property purchases, and it gives you lots of flexibility and lots of options. Um, albeit, it's a, it's a slightly more expensive solution. For someone that has taken out a few bridges in their lifetime, I would say it's a lot expensive. <laughs> it's not slightly at all. <laughs> sometimes it could be as much as double like i'm going through a couple of deals right now and my one of the regular mortgage the standard mortgage is about three percent um and my bridge and i've also got another transaction that i'm doing that requires a bridge loan and that bridge is 9.48 percent so that's like literally triple my standard mortgage so i would say it's not slightly expensive it's much more <laughs> expensive but i also wanted to add that there are some property deals that you would have to need i mean you would have to use a bridge so you couldn't use a bridge and it makes no sense to use a bridge on a property that you could get a standard mortgage on however there are properties out there especially properties that haven't been occupied for years that need a lot of uh, that, that need a full refurb properties that do not have a living a, 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 a working kitchen or bathroom those sort of properties you're either going to pay for them with cash or you're going to have to get a bridge um so i suppose there's certain deals that you have no choice but to go for the bridge and you ideally want to go for the bridge knowing that you can get out of it sooner rather than later um, and then some of the, the other thing to note with some of the bridging company is some of them would allow you pay your interest payment upfront sorry some of them will allow you pay your will allow you pay your interest payments every month whilst a lot of the bridge companies would take the interest payment out of the loan and they would only give you the balance. So if they're going to give you 180,000 and assuming the bridge is for 12 months and the interest payment over 12 months is 15,000 pounds, what they would do is give you 
180,000 minus 15,000 and then hand you over the balance, which basically brings you short if that's all you're relying on. So yeah, well, there's still a fantastic way of, 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 um, of buying or, or financing your deals. Right. Next one, number six, we need to go faster on this one. So number six is joint venture. Right. I am a certified joint venture queen, self-certified. So I love this one. So joint venture. I, I, cert I certify you too. You certify me to good. <laughs> so joint venture is very easy. It's literally find yourself a good deal, find people to come in on that deal with you and you jointly get the property. Um, so this is literally, so imagine going to the bank of mom and dad, friends and family to present an opportunity for them in order to secure a loan. Um, and assuming, um, or by you talking to them and they're quite interested in what you have to offer, you might find that some of your friends, family, or parents might decide, actually, you know what, rather than give you the money as a loan, how about I come in? on this deal with you so this is literally where a you know a, a group of people or you know two persons or more come together on a limited company to purchase a property and they each get a share of the equity by way of percentage based on how much is contributed it's good for people that don't have the full deposit so if you have you know this is ideal for like sibling siblings all living together in mom and dad's house decide that they want to move out they all can't or individually can't afford to 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 find a place on their own due to either credit or uh, income or deposit brother and sister moves in together joint jointly purchase a property um, and then they they're now on the property ladder yeah, so joint venture I love so much because it's literally people working together in a group. Um, it's the whole essence of working as a team. You know, you know that saying, one of my favorite saying out there, if you want to go fast, you go on your own. But if you want to go far, you go with others. Um, joint venture is fantastic for working with people. It, may, it gets you further ahead and you're able to pick up more, you know, you're able to pick up bigger deals. Uh, it's joint reward and joint risk, especially for people that are starting for the first time. You know, it might be a good idea because you're 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 sharing the risk with the other people in the joint venture. Um, it, it's excellent for people that have issues with their credit because it might be that somebody else can pick up the mortgage whilst you put your money in. It's fantastic for an experienced um, property investor who has the skill sets, the knowledge, the experience. And for those that are starting afresh, you can work together and leverage with one person bringing the money, one person bringing the expertise. So it's, it's fantastic. It's an opportunity. Uh, I love it so much. Uh, and you can be very creative with the way that you do this as well. It literally gives everyone a buy into the, into the game. Um, I love it. And if I, I could go on and on. Okay, so our next one is vendor financing. Now, what is that? People would ask. If someone's asking, what is vendor financing? I will tell you. In layman English terms, it literally means the vendor who is the seller of the property is lending you, the buyer, the money to buy their own property. It sounds crazy, but that's what it is. It's a creative way of raising, of, of buying a property. So vendor finance basically 
uh, yeah, that's literally it. Like, like I don't, I can't even explain it anymore. It sounds crazy, but that's what it is. You know, so let's assume that by way of you, you go and view a property, you like it, you want to buy it. You, you know, you get to know the seller, and maybe the seller is someone that probably doesn't even need that money right now. Obviously, they want to get rid of the property, but they don't. Um, they don't need the money straight away, or they have a lot of money. Or, you know, you can actually get in some sort of agreement with them where they borrow you the money for you to actually make the purchase. And then once the purchase is done, then you then look to pay them back. So it might be that maybe perhaps you're going to get a lump sum at the end of the deal or you have some money coming in in a month. Some, like I, it, the, the situation varies. It's a very personal thing. Um, you know, you get into an opportunity where you're then paying the owner of the property that you've just purchased from, you're paying back the loan that they borrowed you to buy the property. It's very, it's absolutely legal. There's nothing illegal about it. It's doable. It's done, and and, and that's it, really. <laughs> oh, it's it's. I love it. I just love every time I we find out all these creative ways of of making you know of buying deals or or financing deals. It just makes me so excited. And literally in properties, it's all about creativity, right? Like there's nothing stopping, as long as it's legal uh, and it complies with the law, then you can pretty much do any creative thing. Yeah, so that that really is vendor financings where the vendor um, um, borrows the seller, sorry, the, the vendor is the seller, the seller borrows the buyer money to buy the property in question. So rather than you going to the bank, because if you think about it, if you were to buy a property, you would go to the bank, you would get a mortgage, and then you pay back your mortgage every month. It's the same thing. It's just that in this scenario, the bank is the vendor. So you're still having to pay them back every month or however your agreement is, but it's literally swapping the bank with the, the vendor. And that's what vendor financing is. Love it. <laughs> And we move on to number nine, which is equity release. So you're the king of that one, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, well. <laughs> equity release, um, in in layman terms, is where you have money in. So let's say you own a property, um, and okay, let's say you bought a property for one hundred thousand pounds. You put in a for one hundred thousand pounds, and in five years' time, that property, the value of the property is now let's say two hundred thousand pounds. So you bought it a hundred thousand pounds, and you know in five years it's gone up to two hundred thousand pounds. You have in that property a hundred thousand pounds worth of equity gained in those in that five-year period and what equity releases is where you are able to release this hundred thousand pounds to use it for the purchase of another property now before what um uh <laughs> what banks used to do is they used to encourage people to take this equity out and use it for things like buying a car going on holidays um, you know, doing doing maybe uh, doing a house upgrade and things like that. But now we know that, you know, you can also take this equity out and use it to fund and purchase, um, you know, uh, and purchase uh, more properties so that you can build your wealth that way as well. 
Um, the other thing with equity, um, equity is just basically, you know, money that's sitting in the house doing absolutely nothing. nothing. Okay. The other thing is if you, if you own a home, okay, let's say this hundred thousand pounds house that you bought in, um, you know, uh, today. Okay. Oh, and if you, if you're on a capital repayment mortgage, which is a mortgage where you're paying both the interest and the capital. Okay. So you're paying, you're paying down the loan. You're not just paying the interest, you're paying down the loan as well. If you have a mortgage that you're paying the interest and the capital, you know, over that five year period, you may have paid off, um, let's say, uh, 20,000 pounds worth of the, the, the actual principal loan. Okay. Meaning that it, at the end of the, you know, um, in, in five years time, you now owe only 80,000 pounds. Yeah. For example. Okay. Um, so now you actually have £120,000 worth of equity sitting in the house because you've paid off 20k and the house is appreciated by £100,000. So you can take out some of that £120,000 and use it to fund purchases of new properties, okay? So typically, when you hear of people who may have become accidental landlords, um it's because they may have, you know, they lived in a house. They then, rather than sell it, they they kept the house, took some money out and used it to buy their next property. Mm. Um, and people do it all the time, you know. It's just a way, rather than, you know, you have money sitting in the house, not doing anything, <clears throat> not bringing you any value. You know, you take that money out and you use it to fund an, an, a new property, which is going to bring you cash flow, okay? And some people also use this quite well with the BRR strategy, the buy, refurbish, refinance strategy, because you take equity out of your house, you know, you, you have to pay that back, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like taking a loan, you have to pay that back. So you take the money out, you buy a property where you, you know, you refurbish it, you refinance it, you pull your money back out, and you pay back that, you know, that loan. And then you go again, and you go again, and you go again. So um, uh, equity release goes quite well with um, the buy, refurbish, refinance model, but it also goes well with just general investing um, where you pull out some money and, you know, you use it to fund the purchase of a new property. Um, I hope that's clear. Anything to add? No, no, not at all. Well said, thank you. Okay, moving on to the very last one. Um, look, I feel like, guys, anyone listening to this, you have gotten so much information today. It's unreal. Like, this is stuff that people pay thousands of pounds for. You know, this is amazing stuff, right? I'm so glad that we're doing this and we're able to give this um, this much value. So I'll go on to the last one, which is the first time buyer scheme. So again, since we're talking about creative finance, we're talking about how to... Um, help people get on the property ladder as an investor, um, how to find, you know, rather than being limited with the little that you have, but creatively looking at ways that you can be a a homeowner, a landlord. So, yeah, we've got to talk about the first-time buyer scheme. If you are based in the UK especially, I don't know what's happening in other countries. In the UK, there is an amazing, um, there's a lot of good, 
good schemes out there for people that are getting in the property for the first time. Um, one of there's the rent to buy, the rights to buy, and all sorts, but and the shared ownership. So if you're a first time buyer and you've only got so much, you you can. Um, you can get on the, the ladder and one of the ones that I can think of right now is the one where the government um, so it's where as a buyer you only need to find five percent deposit the government would loan you 20 percent deposit but you don't have to pay in the first five years and um, the bank then gives you the 75 percent um, as a mortgage and I think this is fantastic because I mean all you need to find is five percent you know the government gives you 20 percent for you know interest I think it's interest free I think it's inter interest free for the first five years um, or even even if it's not inter interest free it's de deferred payment for the first five you don't have to think about that payment whilst you walk your way through and what most people do as a result after the five years is they actually go on to sell the property and the amazing thing about doing that is even though you started with a five percent deposit over the five-year period your property would have increased in value thanks to a great market in the uk um, and then you can actually partake of that additional um, equity even on your 5%, you pay back the loan to the government, you pay back the loan to the bank, you have a lot more deposit to go on and get a bigger house or at least go on and am able to get a bigger or, or have a bigger deposit for your next property. So I think it's fantastic. The same thing is with the shared ownership as well. Again, this is a question that a lot of people ask. Is shared ownership a good idea? Of course it is. If you've only got so much money, um, rather than again, be discouraged that you don't have enough to get on the property ladder, you go on and see how much your your deposit can buy you in a shared um, in a shared ownership opportunity. Um, you pay the rent towards the other bits that you're unable to purchase. And then at some point in the future, you can staircase and buy a bit more, add on to the what you've already got. So if you bought a 5% share, you might then at some point increase that to 10% and so on and so forth. Or you can even go and sell off the property and then the increased equity then becomes your increased profit. So it's amazing. It's It's fantastic. So in the interest of time, I think we are good to 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 round up guys as we've said so many times and dami said on this podcast do get education do you know this is us going through the the the, the basics of all of this um creative ways of raising funds and um, you, you need to get educated you need to find or speak to people that are doing this so that you know exactly what you're getting yourself into um, and yeah, the world is your oyster. And we would really appreciate it. So once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us. Bimbala, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure.